name? Okay, Chavre, we are dedicating today's class. That's Mushka, that's Monica's mother. May she take have a refuah shleimo kreiva amongst all of the Jewish people. Amen. So, being that we are a few days before Yud Shvat, so I would like to give um, class number two, following up last lady's class that I think was on the Maimer Basalagani, and after which we will decide whether we're going to go back to the dreams, plenty more to go, whether if you guys want, you guys will choose that, we'll move on to another topic. Now, quickly again, Bikitzer, the... The Friedrich Rebbe put out a mimer to mark the day of the Hilula yard site of his grandmother, which was on Yud Shvat many years ago. It turned out that the Friedrich Rebbe himself passed away that Shabbos, Yud Shvat, 1950. And the Rebbe always, Yud Shvat, would say a mimer based on the Friedrich Rebbe's Basel Legani mimer. And as we gave in the intro last time, that this year we are focusing on the 11th chapter that speaks about who will be the ones who will actually bring Mashiach. In retrospect, they say hindsight is 2020. There are many ideas that it took us many years to grasp properly. And now when you look back, every single thing is actually in the Maimar Basalagani. So when you look now in the Maimer Basalagani, you can literally see how our Rebbe, who said this Maimer as his first Maimer, one year exactly after the passing of his of the Friedrich Rebbe, Mamish, it's like a mission statement with details of exactly what needs to get done and who will bring it about. And there are two parts to it. What needs to get done, and you know, I know we heard this, but it's important to repeat it because there's hesitation. It used to be that being a religious Jew meant a Yid that is observant, an observant Jew. Observant means not 99%, but we aspire to keep all the mitzvahs. Most of them are nice and they're enjoyable and they're pleasurable and therefore they're easy. Everyone has a few mitzvahs that the person finds difficult, whether we don't understand it well, whether we don't feel for it, or whether th- that type of discipline for our natural um, dispositions is very challenging, and that's life. So our Avedas Hashem is comprised of us keeping ourselves in check. Um, the goal is to be observant. Nothing wrong with that up until this final generation. The Rebbe Mamish drills into us that we have to change our perspective. Not, God forbid, by minimizing one iota the vital importance of being observant. But Adarabah is that we have to now start to connect the goal of all of our observance during Golos, the goal of the observance, what our mitzvahs will bring about in the world is the coming of Mashiach, and we have to bring that to our forefront. That means when a yid does a mitzvah, when I put on tefillin, when you light the Shabbos candles, um, it's not enough I'm doing what God wants, which is, yeah, that's the base. But we should be cognitive of, I'm doing what God wants, because when I'm going to do this mitzvah, I'm bringing Mashiach yet a moment quicker. In other words, we have to stay focused on the goal of the mitzvahs during Golos. I can say the same thing in different words. 
that instead of just doing the mitzvah, because this is what God wants, I have to be mindful of the fact that my doing of mitzvahs reveals God in this world. Sometimes it's easy to see that. There are many mitzvahs, especially the mitzvahs between man and his fellow, you can see how doing the mitzvah, Pashat, makes the world a better place. However, there are many mitzvahs that currently in Golos, the link between revealing godliness in the world, making the world a more beautiful place for God, is not yet um, discernible by the eye. In words, a person can be very observant and kashrus, and the person will say, this is what God wants. I'm in. With all of the chumras, is this making the world better? I don't see it. I don't see it either. But we have to become more aware of it. That mitzvahs accomplish the bringing of godliness into the world, the revelation of godliness into the world. So instead of focusing on the kidnapped, hijacked, tikkun oilam phrase, we actually have to go deeper. When God is revealed in the world, automatically the world becomes rectified. The way we bring about a tikkun oilam is by revealing God in the world. Revealing God in the world, bringing Mashiach, building the Beis Amigdash is all the same thing. Just looking at it from a different angle. Okay, so that's the goal. And that goal of bringing Mashiach is not a goal upon the tzaddik. It used to be that way, but in our final generation of Golos, every Jew has to become aware of it. Now that's big, many people get uncomfortable. In other words, when we reach out to other Yidin, we cannot be uncomfortable to share with them not only that Mashiach is about to come, that's not enough. Yiddishkeit was never meant to be a spectator sport. We're going to wait to see something happening. Mashiach means that we have, to, we have to educate ourselves and therefore others that our observance is because I will be bringing Mashiach. I'm doing my part to bring Mashiach. You're doing your part to bring Mashiach. We have to become very much Mashiach-centered and Mashiach-focused. And, and, and therefore, all of the mitzvahs is about bringing Mashiach means that every Jew has to be involved in this, in this battle and this is really the chapter that we're learning about this year. Now, the chapter speaks about, as a metaphor, and spiritually, it's no metaphor. Spiritually, it's exactly what's happening. But nowadays, when there's a lot of very heated rhetoric, I just want to make it clear, we're speaking about a spiritual war. That there's a war. That's the metaphor here. And there's a king waging war. And there are two types of war. And it's, it's gavaldic when you hear it. It's so, it, it resonates. There are wars that people wage for a specific goal. And if they achieved 90% of the goal, if they are paying a very heavy price to get to where they got, many times they'll stop there. Not every war is fought to be won 100%. Now, obviously, who would not want to win 100%? Why not? Well, I'll tell you why not. Because if you are waging a battle and there's opposition and you're paying with treasure and you're paying, God forbid, with blood during a real war, then no, hold on. Then it has to be worthwhile. And that's why you find throughout history many times we, you know, with our little vision, we take a look and we say, wow, that war stopped too early. They should have gone all the way to the end. What do you think? The people on top did not understand, but you understand, I'm sure they do. But we have no idea what price is being paid for it. So when people have a clear goal and they feel that to get to that goal, 
it's worth to spend a trillion dollars, but not two. Now, if they achieved 80% of the goal and they already spent $1.2 trillion, logically, stop. You succeeded. Yeah, not 100%. But, Ganuk, uh, you know, it has to be worthwhile. However, the Mimer says, there are certain times that a king is engaged in a battle that something within the king gets activated, not the ego, we can identify this with our little stupid ego. But when we're speaking about a holy king, that there is a certain attribute called Netzach. These words have to be put in the right context. They should not be abused. The words are is that there's a certain midah where a person feels, I must win. The I that must win can be very unholy if the I is my ego. But when you have a tzaddik who has no ego, and let's go to God. When God is waging a battle through us, we are the foot soldiers, and God it, it gets into a zone or into a, a, a mood that I must win. If it's I must, I must win means I don't care what the price is. I, don't, I would like not to need to sacrifice, but if a sacrifice is needed, I'm willing and able. And I'm going to sacrifice everything because the need to win is more valuable than the everything. Now, not every war should be fought that way. Sometimes it's foolish to fight that way. Why are you sacrificing so much to, so to say, benefit so little? But there are times there is a type of war where you must win. And we're speaking about, in the, coming back into our topic, that the bringing of Mashiach must happen. Not almost got there, could have gotten there, should have gotten there, but this is something that needs to happen. Now, obviously, if Mashiach will come about only by God's uh, initiative, then God is almighty. God can do anything. But since the whole Mashiach isn't only about a certain moment coming where Mashiach arrives, but part of Mashiach is that we have to make it happen then we have to make it happen. And now the question is exactly what do we need to do? And exactly what tool is the king giving us to empower us to succeed in our mission? So this mimer, especially this year, speaks a lot about these themes. One thing that ever makes clear in the mimer is that we have to collectively reach every single yid. Now, understand that 100 years ago, maybe even 50 years ago, to, to try to reach every... Now, reaching them doesn't mean to get every single Jew observant. That's something that will be finalized, that will be done after Mashiach comes. Halavai before, but it's not the precondition. But there has to be a certain amount of identification and arousal within every Yid. Oy, I'm a Yid. And in and, and a moment, when a, when a Jew thinks about him or her that I'm Jewish... Just making that statement in the right way is, is a very strong tshuva. Even a person who's, God forbid, completely assimilated, I'm Jewish means they're coming back home. There has to be a tshuva movement that's initiated. And the goal is to get every single person. And to get every single Jew, all of us, all of us have to be activated. right? You have to call up the reserves. You can't put this on the hands of a few. Now, Bahashgacha Pratis, the Rebbe speaks about it in the Mimer, and it's so true that, especially nowadays, Jews live everywhere in the world. And, 
and you have over there Yidin that are aware of Torah, and they are Torah observant Yidin that have the ability to make contact with them. Contact with them can be putting it out in a newspaper. I mean, obviously, one by one, meeting people is even better. But now we're living at a time, and that's unprecedented. That, and let's speak especially about the Rebbe's, about the Rebbe, about Chabad, about Lubavitch. The Rebbe built up an organization, and this never existed ever since the beginning of Moshe Rabbeinu, that literally in every corner of the world, there is a representative of the Rebbe. So if the Rebbe undertakes a certain uh, campaign, as long as everyone that's in the Rebbe's team is following the directives of the Rebbe, this campaign can reach every single Jew. And you should appreciate the fact that that never existed before. Now, when we were in the desert, we were all together. So anything that Moshe Rabbeinu undertook, Taka reached all the Jews. Even initially, when we were all in Israel, also true. So that anything that was initiated by the Jewish government, right, affected, some people took it more seriously, some people laughed it off, but they heard about it. It came to all the Jews. As time went on, especially since the Churban of the first temple never came back yet. Jews were all over the place. You had Jews in Babel, in Babylonia. You had Jews in Iran. You had Jews in Egypt. You had Jews that that already went to Europe. They they sadly were not observant, but Jews were spread all over the place, and therefore not everything was there was no centralization, and there was no ways of communication. Throughout thousands of years, Mamash, almost two thousand years, we have been moving around, wandering around. We are spread out everywhere. You ask any person, everyone has a story that they went on vacation and they were trying to get away and they went who knows to the corner of the world and what do you hear? You hear Hebrew, you meet a Yid. Everyone has that. Yidin are everywhere and it's not just everywhere as tourists. Yidin end up settling and living everywhere and there's a reason for that because the mitzvahs have to be observed everywhere. So whether the person is observant yet or not, the reason why Yidin live everywhere is because there are sparks of holiness throughout the world. And these sparks have to be elevated, dafka through a Yid, and dafka through a Yid keeping the mitzvahs, and a Yid that's aware of God, and ideally doing a mitzvah to bring about Mashiach. So that's the mission. The mission is to get every Jew more connected to God in order to bring about the redemption. We, the soldiers... We have to bring that about. How do we bring that about? So since this is a war that the king must win, so therefore he squanders, he gives it all. All the tools needed he gives. Because if it's a measurable, a rational war, then he won't give away all of his treasury. He'll give, like I said, what's the goal? How much is the goal worth? How much money needs to be spent? There has to be some correlation. I'm not saying that the king might end up spending 10% over the budget. He might spend 100% over the budget, but he's not going to spend infinite beyond the budget. There is a limit how much you'll spend if it's a rational war. The war to bring Mashiach is not rational. God's desire to God's desire, the king, God's desire, he'll do anything. Oh, so the king squanders his treasures. And now the question is, what are, what are God's treasures? What does it mean that God squanders his treasures? Nice word. So I get it in a physical, in the muscle, yeah. So to win a war, you have to have arms. And, and, okay, so you spend money to build up the, the troops. What does that mean, Beruchnius? What do you guys think?
No Bela. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking that we have to, we have a lot of power and we hold back. We have a lot of ability, but we're stymied by I don't feel comfortable. This is not my thing. I think that we have to go beyond ourselves and beyond our comfort levels and follow what it says in the Torah. Follow what the Rebbe said. You know, to reach every Jew, to um, to teach. If you know Olive, teach Olive, and to just bring Jews to the consciousness of their Jewishness and their needing to ask for Mashiach to come now, all together. And what treasure, very, no, very good, exactly. I mean, you think about it, I'm talking about myself, it took me so many years to get it, and the Rebbe said this in, 19, in, in, in 1951. It's amazing. Just It takes a while for, for people, this is, he meant literally what he said, that's what the Mimer speaks about. If people that are listening to this take this as a given, that's thanks to the Rebbe. Because people, even observant people, don't think this way at all. Most observant Jews that I grew up amongst were uncomfortable with Mashiach. It was like an uncomfortable topic. People that believe in Mashiach, like, don't give me Mashiach. Then why am I nervous? Why are you trying to sell me who's Mashiach? No, 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 no. We are pointing out that we are keeping the mitzvahs because my mitzvah will bring Mashiach, but not just mine. Mine and yours, we have to bring Mashiach. This whole way of thinking and of talking and of behaving is something that the Rabbeim brought into the world with a lot of pushback, a lot of opposition to Lubavitch. And thank God they're succeeding. It's sadly taking all of these years, but we're, we're, we're there. We're there. So let me tell you what the Rebbe says. Such a beautiful thing. The Rebbe quotes from the Gemara that uh, uh, squandering treasures, a treasure is that which you hold dear. Obviously, money, God doesn't hold dear because God can just, if you think the government can print more money, God, take it. God can make as much gold as he wants. So there's nothing precious about gold to God. So think for a second. So that Emma says, a whole second, God is the creator. So if God is the creator, if you want to word it that way, so then nothing should be precious to God because whatever it is, God can make more of it. And he can make infinite more of it. Precious must mean, that Emma says, that there must be something that God cannot make, so to say. And therefore, it's precious. What does God not create? Oh, God, I'm not speaking blasphemy. God forbid. I shouldn't pause. So it says in the Gemara that everything is bidei shamayim. Hakoil bidei shamayim. Chutz meyira shamayim. That the Jews yira shamayim. Yira shamayim means for me to be conscious that God is real and here, which automatically will arouse a feeling minimally of respect and awe of God that's present. Just like, for example, when you enter the presence of a king, we're speaking about a good king, not a king that will cut off your head, a kind king. But there's a certain amount of reverence that you feel. You don't feel, so to say, yourself because you are in the presence of the king. The truth is God is present. On the other hand, God created us in a way that we're not, or most of us are not naturally that God conscience. We think about God, hopefully, when we dive in. We think about God, hopefully, a few times during the day. But it's very possible, the way we were created, for us to forget about this truth. That's while we're looking at the beautiful Californian blue sky. That's a reality. We see it. That's the way Hashem made us. It's not our fault. 
In other words, you're, you're eating supper. You see the whatever, you see the, the salad. Or if you eat steak, whatever you're eating. That's real. At that moment, God, God is somewhere. God is not as real. Now, the more we make Hashem real, and that is through our avoida. That's by talking, by learning Torah, especially learning Hasidus, questioning, how do you know, all of that. This is many, many years of our effort of becoming gradually more and more God conscience, but real God conscience. And that, uh, that, will, that will inspire us to behave better in a good way. Notice when, when God is talking here, Certain things I won't do out of respect. How can I do that in God's presence? Now, that means I'm really stuck because God is always present. Fine. Not stuck in a bad way. Stuck in a good way. Yira Shamayim is not something that God gifts us. So the Gemara says, Hakoil Bidei Shamayim. Right? That's the statement. We all know that it's almost like saying freedom of choice is freedom. It's our. It was given to us. But really, it's much more than that because in order for me to make the right choice, I have to be God conscious. And being God conscience in itself is my effort. So when you have a person, this is Jews and Lahavdol non-Jews, when a person works on himself and they become more, a greater Yirei Shomayim, God takes that and he puts it in his treasury because this is precious to God. God is not, God is not making it. God wants us to make it. So that's something valuable. So the Rebbe says, so what does it mean that when it comes to the final battle, which is our battle, and we, there's no way around it, that we have to reach out to every Yid, and beginning with ourselves, and we have to link all of our Yiddishkeit with, to bring Mashiach, getting people aware that they're doing a mitzvah, they're putting on tefillin, to bring Mashiach, to make God's presence revealed in the world. That's the language we have to talk to people. That in order, in order for me to do that, like you said, if I'm going to be more Yirei Shomayim, if I'm going to be more God conscious, then it's going to be a lot easier for me to do it. Once I achieve Yirei Shomayim, then doing what God wants for me to do is relatively a lot easier. Push it. Right? If you know what, uh, what, you, what you, as a child, if, uh, with a healthy parent, if the child knows what the parent wants and the parent is present... They kind of do it. But it's not their own, but it's the presence of the parent. So God hides himself. He wants it to be our own. And yeah, and then it's very valuable. God treasures it. But right before the coming of Mashiach, God says, even though I treasure the Jews' avoidah of becoming more Yerei Shamayim, I treasure that, I'm giving up that. Even though that is what gives me nachas, I'm forgoing my nachas. Hashem, listen to the words of the Rebbe, in this final generation, makes it a lot easier for us to become God conscious. So we have Yerushalayim, relatively. Of course, we still have to work because whatever God gifted us, it doesn't mean that it's not, an, you know, there's not, I have it or I don't have it. I have Yerushalayim and I have to have more Yerushalayim and I have to grow in my Yerushalayim. But there's a certain spiritual, Bela spoke about power. There's a certain spiritual power that God gave Jews of our generation that the Jews of prior generations were not gifted. They might have had it. They might have had it even more than us, but they sweated, they schwitzed, they worked on themselves. We have it. We have it. I, I think that some of it is from the good part of technology. I know that technology also has a lot of not good, but the fact that that we, Mamish, have access to so much Torah, and I'll tell you more, to so much inspiration. 
Anytime, 24-7. You can't sleep in the middle of the night, wake up 3 in the morning. You can go and you can find a fabrengen. And you can pick and choose. You're not stuck with, with, with that talker who's, who's not talking to you. So you go to another channel. You should stick to Kedusha. No, it's the fact that we have access to, to information being presented by great Jewish men and women. On, and you have access the whole time. It makes it easier. Of course, there's always a certain amount of effort. We're not robots. God did not take away our freedom of choice. But there's a certain amount of accessibility to Kedusha that we have that no one ever had. And we're supposed to use it. Now, God is saying, if it's coming to me easy, make no mistake, it's not giving God the same amount of nachas had I worked much harder. But it's not about my work anymore. It's no longer about me, about how much inner work I need to do. It's about, as we say, getting the job done. Getting the job done is, is affecting and touching and trying to make every single yid more connected to God, even on even on the, the minimum level possible of that is where they're at. It's about have, having every Jew take one step up the ladder and not, God forbid, one step down. So that is the Avoida. And the Avoida now, especially after the physical Rebbe's, the Rebbe's physically not here, after Gimel Tamos, all of this becomes more and more real. That we, that you and I, we are the Rebbe's foot soldiers to which we were given this gift of Yerashamayim, which makes it easier and for many levels, much easier for us to be inspired. And while we are inspired, what do I do with my, what is my goal? Some people, they're inspired, they say to Hillman, that's great, that's great. But some of our inspiration has to be focused in reaching out and getting another Jew more connected to Yiddishkeit with a Mashiach consciousness. And we should know that there will be opp opposition towards it, as we all know, even amongst religious Jews. They tolerate everything, but don't knock me about Mashiach. No, that is the final mission. That's what the Rebbe said. And when we will do our part, it's a, it's a sure thing that we will bring about Mashiach. You know, and there are Maimarim that speak about the coming of Mashiach as a natural process. There are many Maimarim. These Maimarim of, of Yutshvat, they speak about the events of the coming of Mashiach to be mamish miraculous. Ma ma miraculous of miraculous that's going to make the miracles of Egypt look like child's play and how great will that be not because we're looking for the show but it's going to be great imagine that events will start to unfold in which everyone is going to see that the Jewish people are God's chosen people where, where we will see the power of a mitzvah it's going to change everything imagine us being over there when they're building the base Hamikdash, bringing a carbon all of that is about to happen, and it's not just about to happen, but the most exciting part is, is that we are the ones that will make it happen. So appreciate that. Let's look back. Every Jew that you in the past reached out to, this was, Mamish, the final, the final brick of bringing Mashiach. And that should inspire us to reach out to one other Yid. You know, sometimes you wish on just a Yid good Shabbos. You know, when Bachlam used to go out in the summer to sell books all over America in the 1950s, and they used to go knock door knocking, and you know, the, the two Bachlam, they went out. The goal was to sell Jewish books. This is when we started to have some English books. So two boys went somewhere in, in, in the middle of the States, and they came back and they sold not a single book. Not a single book. And they wrote to the Rebbe with bitterness that they spent a couple of weeks. It was very difficult. And they went through the white pages, and they knocked on doors, and they did not succeed. 
So the Rebbe publicly in the Fabrengen spoke. He didn't say their names, but uh, you know, that two Bachram went and they said they accomplished nothing. And the Rebbe said like this, that there is a Jew that is a Holocaust survivor who decided after the war that it's the safest thing not to be Jewish. So he came to America and he told no one that he's Jewish. He did everything he could to forget himself who he is. And imagine, says the Rebbe, he's sitting in, a, in, some, in some city in the middle of the States and he looks out of his window and all of a sudden he sees a scene pre-war. He sees two guys with hats, with beards, with tzitzes, something that he has not seen since prior to the Holocaust. He says, what do you think this Jew did at that moment? The Rebbe says it connected him to his youth. He for sure let out a sigh, a sigh of, I wish I was still part of that world. The Rebbe says, that's the tshuva that's needed to bring Mashiach. So no one should ever think that they accomplished nothing because we really don't know what we are accomplishing. In other words, stop working on La Cienega, wherever you live. You walk down the street, you walk like a yid. I don't care, you can tell. I'm not saying you have to wear a, a triple streimel, but we dress differently. And it's so good to be proud that when any person sees us, a Jew or Lahavdullah Nanju, they should see there goes a Jew. And if we walk respectfully and just sing a yid sometimes reminds them of who they are and where they should be going, this is part of the avoid of making every Jew do tshuva. And especially if we succeed even better by, 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 you know, by encouraging another yid, but we should never leave Mashiach out anymore. It means tell you guys, light the Shabbos candles because you're going to bring Mashiach by doing so. The kavana has to be in our mind. And having Mashiach in the front of, forefront of our consciousness, this will bring Mashiach into the forefront of reality and we will succeed in fulfilling our mission. We're going to get the job done. Any questions? Amen. I have a comment just to say that it's funny that this is the topic for today. I guess I must be tapped into the consciousness of... Your chvat. Um, I was walking the dogs this morning and I, I decided, and I do this a lot, like I'm going to, my consciousness for today is going to be to be a better Jew, to do more mitzvahs, to bring Mashiach. I literally said those words, that this is my, my conscious goal for today. That's it. That's what the Rebbe wanted from all of us. Gavaldik.